from Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. Nausea to exhaustion to headaches, hours-long migraines, and even hearing loss. A number of U.S. diplomats got sick recently in Cuba and had to be sent home. But they weren't naturally occurring illnesses. And the thought is that it could be coming, according to U.S. officials who are looking into this, from a type of acoustic device, almost at a frequency that humans can't hear. Steve Dorsey of CBS News broke the story. U.S. intelligence believes it was a hostile act perpetrated by a nation state. And Robert Booth, a top former State Department diplomatic security agent, has figured out what their objective was. To compromise the creation and transmission of classified information. If that's not it, then the other only possibility that comes to mind is this is actually directed against these officers to make them sick and make them go home. What took place? Who's behind it? The fallout from it? And how the U.S. is going to respond? Extraordinary detail coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. It was a stunning development. CBS News. I'm Steve Kathan. There's concern about the safety of American diplomats in Cuba, and the FBI is investigating. Correspondent Steve Dorsey has more on this CBS News exclusive. He joins us live from Washington. Steve, a State Department spokesperson says some U.S. government personnel in Havana on official duty have reported incidents that have caused a variety of physical symptoms. The department hasn't made clear what those incidents have been and what those symptoms are, but it did take action against Cuba. On May 23rd, the U.S. asked two Cuban officials in the U.S. to leave the country. The spokesperson also says it reminded the Cuban government of its obligations under the Vienna Convention to protect diplomats. That was the story that rattled official Washington on August 9th, 2017. U.S. diplomats in Havana had reported symptoms from a mysterious illness that no one could put their finger on. It had been going on for months, but no one had any answers until doctors determined they were suffering from some kind of ultrasonic device that authorities were struggling to explain. On the line with us now is our colleague from CBS News, Steve Dorsey, a correspondent here in Washington who does some excellent work, and he provides some context on this story. Steve, you broke the story regarding the situation. Uh, It was a strange story that seemed to emerge out of nowhere, and it seemed as though it it had been going on for a while and had been kept quiet. Take it it from the top and tell us what you learned. Well, we've we've learned a lot, and 
very little at the same time. You know, uh, this started from what the State Department is telling me back in late 2016. One source says it started in October or November. It's been going on as recently as June, according to one source familiar with these incidents, is how the State Department is describing it. Physical uh, symptoms are being caused by these incidents. And uh, this one source tells me that ranges from nausea to exhaustion to headaches hours long migraines and even hearing loss and the thought is that it could be coming according to u.s officials who are looking into this from a type of acoustic device almost at a frequency that humans can't hear at a very low frequency it could be microwaves perhaps is one theory it could be some sort of ultrasonic frequency and uh, that is being planted inside or outside the homes of diplomats from the U.S. and Canada provided by the Cuban government. As you were listening to the story, as it was taking place, as you were hearing the details from your sources and sort of um, aligning it in your head as to, as to how you were going to report it, what was going through your mind about this bizarre story? Well, I was concerned, uh, certainly for the health and safety of our own Americans uh, in Cuba, doing the work of, of this country, and also learning that the diplomats, possibly from other countries, were affected, including at least one Canadian. Uh, but certainly this is a concern, especially with how the U.S. government has responded, because it's been very tight-lipped about exactly what happened, about whether or not there is a definitive cause or source for these incidents. Uh, the Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, calls them health attacks. So it is clear it's on the radar very high up in the State Department, and, and likely the president has been briefed on this as well. Uh, but the, the U.S. won't say how many diplomats have been affected by this, and how many have curtailed their assignments in Cuba. One source tells me that as many as eight or nine have either returned uh, to the U.S. or been reassigned to another post outside of Cuba, but that there have been dozens of reports to the State Department uh, from U.S. Embassy government workers and State Department employees going back months. The current situation in terms of uh, the U.S. dealing with the Cuban situation, how did the U.S. respond to that? Well, the U.S. Uh, says it is working with Cuban authorities to uh, find the source of these incidents. However, Rex Tillerson told reporters last week on Friday when he was asked this question alongside the president that the U.S. is holding Cuba accountable uh, to find and stop uh, these health health attacks, as he describes them, uh, and that the U.S. has offered medical examinations to uh, its employees uh, affected by this, and that they're, they are treating this as a major concern. Now, two uh, diplomats, as I understand it, have been, been expelled. Is that still the same, or has that changed at all? No, in fact, the U.S. says uh, that is indeed the same, that they were expelled uh, May the 23rd, uh, and they have not, uh, as of yesterday, confirmed the identities of these two Cuban officials that were expelled from the U.S. Mm. Um, so that's important that we learn what kind of role they had in the embassy uh, here in the U.S. And, yeah. and why these two? Yeah, Steve, have you been able to get any insight into how long this has been going on? And uh, who uh, were there others, aside from the Americans and the, and the Canadian? Well, uh one source tells me that there are potentially other countries involved, uh, but so far uh, we have not been able to confirm that uh, with other embassies operating uh, in, in Cuba. 
Um, many countries have limited staff or rely on third-party countries like Canada to uh, to have diplomatic relationships with, with Cuba. But uh, this has been going on at least since, since 2016, um, and it would be unprecedented if uh, it, it is indeed some kind of sonic weapon uh, that's being used deliberately as harassment against diplomats. Uh, but so far, there's been no conclusion of that. And what does this tell you about the, the relationship between the U.S., Cuba, and others? Because I hear that there may be a third country involved in this. What does that tell you about all of this? Well, that's a theory that a third party is involved in uh, in these these attacks. It's unclear, though. But remember... Cuba is, isn't the most sophisticated country in terms of technology. In fact, they ban imports of a lot of, of sophisticated technology, including satellites and wireless communications. And certainly the government can make exceptions for itself. But uh, it, it's possible that uh, another country, perhaps Russia, though that's not been confirmed at all, could be involved with Cuba. But you still have the question about why. What would benefit does Cuba get out of this? Yeah, that was my next question. What's the purpose, you think, for them doing this? That Listen, I don't think I've gotten an answer on that uh, from any source, really. And uh, it's still all conjecture at this point. Um, but what we do know is that these are going on and that U.S. and Canadian Americans and Canadians have been subject to these, have felt the, the symptoms. Some U.S. diplomats have had to leave Cuba because of it. And so far, there's no one directly to blame and hold accountable. That's the mystery. Is there anything else other than what we've already talked about that strikes you that you want to get into? I think uh, how this affects the Cuba-U.S. relationship. This is not uh, the same kind of relationship that was under President Obama. That's for sure. Uh, Former President Obama made efforts to restore diplomatic ties with Cuba. He took steps to open it up to trade. There is still an embargo on Cuba, um, but uh, the president uh, a few months ago made clear that would not continue. He tried to take steps to limit uh, what money goes to Cuba and amid concerns that it was funding the regime while not benefiting the people of Cuba. And uh, he was concerned about U.S. travel to Cuba as well, and he's tried to, to limit that a bit. So um, where does this relationship go from here, and does this worsen the relationship? Uh, And how much does Cuba care about that? And um, I think that's going to be important. That's a truly bizarre story, Steve. Thanks for some excellent work on it. Appreciate you doing that and then sharing your story with us. Thank you, JJ. We just spoke with Steve Dorsey of CBS News, who gave us a really good understanding of the story, what took place and what happened. Now, joining us in the studio is Robert Booth, a retired State Department special agent who eventually was Deputy Director of Counterintelligence. He worked there for 28 years, very familiar with the region, very familiar with the tradecraft used in situations like this. Robert Booth, tell us what your thoughts are on what happened. Well, two possibilities quickly jumped to mind. One would be a technical operation whereby the Cuban intelligence service would be directing this beam against the building in an attempt either to compromise the creation and transmission of classified information or otherwise they're actually using the beam to capture voices 
that would vibrate off the glass of the window panes or else would vibrate off the walls. If that's not it, then the other only possibility that comes to mind is this is actually directed against these officers to make them sick and make them go home. So a couple things to unpack there. First, um, what type of tool is it that you believe they're using? Past experience suggests that in Moscow back in the late 60s, early 70s, the Russians bombarded the American embassy facade with microwaves. We are never really sure what that was intended to do, but later on in the 80s, we found that by using certain kinds of beams, the Russians were able to compromise our Selectric 3 typewriters. And as our staff were actually typing up the letters, the classified information, the emanations from the keyboard Selectric 3 went into the air, and the Russians were able to read in real time classified information being typed up on a typewriter. So you believe that what we're seeing right now may be a more modern version of that? Absolutely. Give me your view of what that might look like. We never were able to see the microwave beam, uh, the, the initial one. The secondary one, we got one part of it that I really still can't talk about. But it was a, a relatively small device, but they used the microwave beams to enhance the device they'd gotten inside uh, the American embassy. Second part of that was the Selectric typewriter actually being able to uh, essentially adjust the tool so that it would pick up echoes. Is that right from the typewriter or or what? what we call that? them emanations. And in fact, on a, on a keyboard, if you strike a keyboard on your laptop, it's similar to striking a keyboard on a Selectric 3. What the Russian technicians were able to find out each key you hit on a Selectric 3 typewriter, not unlike a laptop keyboard now, when you strike an individual key, E or F or 1, it actually emanates into the air. And that's what the Russians are able to capture. So now, I guess maybe the way that we can think of this now is we know that there are some electronic digital tools that allow people to capture keystrokes. Uh, and I think that there is actually a listening tool now that can be deployed that actually captures the sound of a, the keyboards we use today based on the key that you hit, the same kind of thing. Is that what we're talking about? Yes, indeed. Uh, but on the other hand, what I've read in the papers, it says it's a sonic device. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that almost suggests they're capturing conversations in the air from the vibrations off the glass. There's also some technical belief that your screen actually is actually bouncing off the roof, it bounces off the wall, so that this beam might be able to pick up an image. Uh, this is something we've worried about for years. That's why in a lot of our embassies overseas now, where the most sensitive things go on, there's no windows, that's all closed off, it's all sealed. What do you believe was the objective behind that operation in Cuba? I really believe it's an attempt to um, gain access to communications, classified communications. But at the same time, what we have to keep in mind is when you bombard a building with microwaves or you bombard a bu building with sonic waves, there has to be a possibility that there will be a medical side effect to the personnel subjected to that time and time again. We know in Moscow that staff members and actually family members had periodic medical reviews after they left Moscow to see whether or not this microwaves was causing this issue. Now, of course, the Russians denied the microwaves are being beamed against the American embassy. But I don't believe that the Russians or the Cubans in developing this beam actually had some poor subject sitting next to where 
they are sending these beams to see whether or not there'd be intended medical issues so that the officers who suffered this most likely suffer because they were in that room or their house for a long period of time. But is, it, could the Cubans or the Russians have come up with a device to personally harm or matter? Well, that'll be up for the investigators to find out. So, Robert, tell me who you, you think uh, were, based on what you know, might be behind this because we've heard a lot of speculation about it being the Cubans or possibly a third country, but it's really not clear yet because the Cubans have said, no, we didn't do this, and they've been very vehement about that. But um, tell me who you think might be behind that. If I had to bet, I would say the Russians. They've been doing this for years. Uh, they got a listening device into the, the State Department here in Washington, D.C. in 1999. They're incredibly aggressive. We know they went against our embassy in Moscow, which we fortified and made, put in good security measures or countermeasures. They may have found that in examining the American embassy in Havana, there were vulnerabilities that we did not know about. And the Cubans can simply say, well, we know nothing about it, but the Russians would rent a house or borrow a house in close proximity to the American embassy, and um, they're doing what they do, and the Cubans can actually say, we know nothing. It's quite possible. So wait, you, you actually now believe that it was the Russians and not the Cubans? I think the Russians, in cooperation with the Cubans, uh-huh. I don't think the Russians would be able to actually bring that kind of equipment down the street. The Russians are good, but I think the Cuban intelligence services would want to know what the, lo- the, what the Russian intelligence services are doing in their country. When this first broke, right around the 8th or 9th or 10th of August, when we first talked about this, you seemed to be pretty, pretty clear that you thought it was Cuba. But now you're saying Russia. What changed your mind? It's the technical capabilities that this, this embodies, that this is really kind of sophisticated stuff. And I really don't think the Cubans would invest in that kind of operation because if the Russians did it and they found they were successful against the American embassy in Havana, they'd want to exploit that same vulnerability around the world, going against American embassies in places where they also have um, less restricted activities on that country, that local country's intelligence services let the Russians get by with things. It all depends how big this item is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but doesn't, the Russians are just incredibly aggressive. And uh, the, the Cubans over the years have been very uh, good at helping the Russians do what they want to do, especially against us, especially in Cuba. The Cubans themselves are, they're not exactly novices at getting under the skin of uh, some of the visitor, some of their visiting diplomats, are they? No, and the fact uh, we have complained in the past, uh, on some of the activities they've done against us. At one point, there were a couple of our officers who they particularly thought were good at getting information what was happening inside Cuba, and they just throw taint, tainted meat over the walls of their residences and kill their dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they follow them. You know, they, sometimes they cut our cars off when they're traveling down the roads. Um, mm-hmm. They sometimes close doors. They won't allow them to go places. And they're pretty aggressive in trying to keep our diplomats corralled in, that our diplomats can't get out and do their job of meeting local people, meeting students, meeting labor people, meeting uh, church people, try to get a better understanding of what's going on inside Cuba. And um, is it your understanding that perhaps um, we've been underestimating the Cubans for a while? Certainly with this new reset going on now, uh, a lot of people think, oh, wow, this is a whole new 
world and everything is fine. Have we underestimated the Cubans? The Cuban Intelligence Service has never changed. Their mission is to provide the Cuban government with all the information the Cuban government needs to be successful. This seems to me the same kind of thinking in 1991 when the fall of the wall, the bear is gone, that we don't have to fear the Russians anymore. And then nine, eight years later, we find the Russians had put a bug inside the State Department in Washington, D.C. I want to talk to you specifically about that because I'd heard that story and I've read about that story, but I don't know a whole lot about it. And against the backdrop of what was taking place in Havana with these diplomats and what you know about Russian capabilities and some of the things they've done throughout the years going back through the Cold War, some of the ingenious devices and, and, and tools that they developed, Give us a sense of what this whole situation in the State Department in 1991 entailed. How did they do that? Well, in 1991-92, senior members of the State Department felt as though old Russia was gone. A new Russia was emerging. They're friends. We can work with them. And unfortunately, that led to the decision that Russian diplomats who visited the State Department did not have to be escorted when they showed up at the main State Department embassy and that uh, they were allowed to kind of walk around inside the State Department unknown. Uh, my office in the FBI was aware of that. In fact, we had an operation in which we monitored the Cuban diplomats walking around inside the State Department. Uh, we tried to alert our senior members to this situation. Uh, we were somewhat rebuffed. Um, but then all of a sudden, we in the FBI noticed that the Russian diplomats' visits to the State Department all of a sudden stopped almost ceased to, to exist. And what did that tell you? Well, it became clear later on to us that the operation they had run was over with, that they had successfully introduced a listening device into a conference room in the seventh floor State Department. In a conference room? Yes. Where was the bug, can you say? Yes, it was inside, it was concealed inside a fake piece of chair rail molding. The Russians who actually would attend conferences in that conference room, they were bilateral and trilateral meetings. So we had Russian diplomats and American diplomats talking about issues of mutual concern. Obviously, one or two of those Russian diplomats were intelligence officers under diplomatic cover. They were able to get a picture, get the color of that chair rail molding, went back to Moscow. Moscow duplicated it. We were able to put a listening device with batteries on the inside. And then the Russians were able to come back into that conference room later on, take off the chair rail molding and substitute the one with a listening device. How were they able to get time in that conference room to do that without anybody seeing them? That's still, the case is still an open case 20 years later. Huh. And there is, there is great debate. There is simply no questions that the Russians had unimpeded access to that room on at least two, if not three occasions, uh, that they had to be in there alone. So how do they get there? Why were they not escorted? Well, if they didn't have an escort policy, they could walk around. We have some ideas of how that may have happened. There are some in the intelligence community who believe the Russians did it all by themselves. There's the other 50%, including me, who believes they had help on the inside. <clears throat> Today, as we look at what happened in Estonia in 2007, Russia's involved. Georgia, 2008, Russia's involved. Ukraine, 2014, Russia's involved. The U.S. in 2016, Russia is front and center. As you look at what they've been able to achieve, and when you look at other countries like France, Germany, and other Eastern European and other Western European countries where Russia's been active, 
What's the takeaway from people waking up now realizing the Russians aren't our friends and what you discovered in the State Department, the listening device, in 1999? The government, that is. This is something we in the intelligence community have a hard time with, is reminding seniors that the intelligence services wake up every day and they have their primary enemies and their primary objectives. And they get paid a good amount of money. They're in very status positions. And their job is to get their governments all the information that they can possibly get. Be it State Department information on upcoming negotiations, be it the military's next generation of weapons, or what our politicians are thinking. People forget that Oleg Kalugin, a three-star general in the KGB, who's now here in the United States, he semi-defected, uh, wrote in his book, the three major targets of the KGB, or now SVR, the White House, Congress, and the State Department. So that always leads, leads me to believe that those are those institutions that require some of the greatest safeguards. Now, I know the CIA and the DIA will say we are too, but just listen to what Ola Kalugin says and put your resources there. Robert Booth former special agent at the State Department, Bureau of Diplomatic Security for 28 years, former Deputy Director of Counterintelligence. That was very special, incisive, understandable and digestible analysis of a very complicated situation. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this episode. Coming up on our next program, it could be terrorism, anarchists, cyber criminals, intelligence, nation states, or the U.S.'s own counterintelligence drama that's playing out in the Congress. Join us on Target USA for the latest. Thank you for checking in with us. Follow us on Twitter at TUSA Podcast. That's Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. You can also let me know what you think at jgreen at WTOP.com. That's the letter J, the color green, one word, at Whiskey Tango Oscar Papa. Green at WTOP.com. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Hey, everybody. The new Podcast One app is here. There's no other podcast app like this one. Download it in the App Store or on Google Play. You can find out everything about your favorite shows. You can get more content for Target USA. You can find articles, social media, episodes. You can make playlists. There's so much you can do. It's easy to comment and connect with other show fans because we have our own little community there. You can share your favorite content and see behind-the-scenes photos, get 360 video, or watch a bunch of shows in virtual reality. There's over a 1,000 videos on there right now. It's like you're in the studio. Really cool. So many things you can do, including fun things like rewards for listening and much, much more. So if you don't do anything else today, remember to download the Podcast One app. There are 120,000 unsolved murder cases in America. It was the next day that I found out from my parents what had happened, that my sister was killed. Each one is called a cold case. Sometimes you have to look really closely to find the evidence. Damn, I, I killed her. Damn it, I killed her. Cold Case Files, the podcast. Garcia is walking into the home of a real monster. I was nervous. I realized what kind of person I was dealing with. It's a goosebump moment. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.